Okay, welcome back then. I'm Tim Davies, Fast Jet Performance Podcast, and I've got one for you today because I've been contacted from the other side of the world. I get I get quite a few of these um, coming in from other pilots, and so, some of these pilots are in airlines, some are in other militaries, and you kind of realise that every pilot is going through the same thing, and that makes a lot of sense to me. My brother flies for Emirates now, and he talks to me about how Emirates. He actually he says the training he had from Emirates was was top class, like top. Um, the Air Force could kind of learn from some of the things they were doing. But uh, other pilots, you know, going through certain elements of their lives and careers, they're going ups and downs and they're finding, you know, work-life balance issues. And, and I got an email from one of these guys today. In fact, before I even do that, I got an email from a young guy who um, just finished his elementary flying training, is about to go on to Reaper in the States. And he was just writing to me to thank me for some of the things I'd spoken to him about. I'm going to go up and see that email now and I'm going to lose the position of the email I'm at right now. So, because this came in a few weeks back. So the email I got from this young guy, here we are. I'm not going to tell you his name. It doesn't matter. But he was basically saying that he had a bit of a slog through elementary flying training and through initial officer training. He's about to go on to the Reaper in the States, um, which is great. And he had an issue on one of his one of his tests. He was doing really well. This is what happens, of course. You're doing really well. And all of a sudden, something throws you into a loop. And he was doing something on one of his tests. And uh, he forgot something on there. And as opposed to letting him throw himself into you know, a whole world of a, uh, an issue and then thinking about it, he said, okay, what would Tim do? So he sat on his hands, he took a breath, he then uh, went back to the thing he'd missed, he redid it, he briefed the instructor and he carried on the sortie and uh, he, he managed to pass that trip. Now he said prior to absorbing my material, he would have been a gibbering wreck allowing the mistake to play on his mind and instead of focusing on the task at hand. He had probably had a very different story to tell. Um, as it was, my feedback was that I'd narrowly avoided failing in the first stage of the test, but that the rest of it was all flowing really well. It was a nice sortie overall. So... See what he's done there. He's gone, I've made a mistake. Okay, what would Tim do? Well, Tim would get that mistake. He'd put it in a box. He'd address it later on, but he's not going to let that affect what he's doing at the moment because you can't. You're in an airplane. Stop being an idiot, okay? Crack on with the task. And you can do that in your daily mission as well, your daily events that you're going through in your life. That's one of the big things I talk to people about is, yeah, we're going to make mistakes because if you're not making mistakes, you're not pushing the boundaries and you're not learning. You're just remaining in the same place. I think Tony Robbins says, you're either going forwards or you're going backwards. No one's ever staying where they are. You know, you're either going forwards or going backwards. Uh, and I brief people on that a lot, especially in the groups I run. And um, so I'm a big fan of saying, yeah, go and make some mistakes, guys. Seriously, make some mistakes. And then don't be embarrassed about it. Um, I do a bit of writing. You may well have realized. And I'm doing a lot of work for Aerolist at the moment. So I'm writing less things that I would normally write because I'm not in an airplane at the moment. I haven't been in an airplane now since end of 2017. And it's nice. And I'm going to read you something about why it's nice. Um I'm not going to, I'm going to leave out some details about who the guy is here. Of course, it doesn't matter. You wouldn't be interested anyway. Uh, he's in his late thirties. He's a, an ex fast jet guy like myself. And he'd read one of my essays and I'm just going to read you his email and then I'll read you my replies. Uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about it at the end. Uh, really what it is, it's about knowing that you've done something well, you've done something special and now you're going to leave that alone. You're going to go out and do something else. It's not trying to keep that with you forever. It's, it's not trying to, and you see this with actors and sportsmen and all these kind of people that try and drag their careers out. It's like, make that clean break, okay? And arguably, I dragged my career out for an extra four years. It was a 16-year career, and I was asked to stay, so I did another two, then did another two years on that, and then I left. Now, I've written back to the Air Force, in fact, um, to be open and honest with you guys, and I've said, look, I missed the instruction. I don't necessarily want to jump in a jet again. Um, would I do that? I'd have to, it'd have to be, you know, it would have to be exactly on the right terms. 
because I've left the Air Force and I like the fact I've left, I'm doing something else. But, um, you know, could I man a simulator? Could I go and teach on the sim at, at Bali? Would I, would I be willing to do that? And I just want that open conversation because they've got some very innovative um, rejoining uh, policies now that they didn't have when I was leaving the service because I was working part-time flying jets anyway when I left because I was a requirements manager for the United Kingdom military flying training system down in Bristol. And I was doing that half and half probably more Bristol work than I was flying airplanes, to be honest with you, which makes it quite difficult to fly airplanes. But um, so I thought, well, is there any way I can contribute back into the service whilst maintaining my civilianness? You know, that's the thing, or being a veteran or whatever you want to call it. So I don't mind, you know, giving something back. I, I know they're hurting for instructors. I know they're hurting for frontline um, guys. So, you know, if I can offer something back to the service, you know, they offer me a lot, I'll do that. I'm not going to rejoin full-time, guys. That's not where I'm at at the age of 44. So this guy sends me an email from uh, Brazil. Nice guy. Really nice guy. I, as I said, I'll skip the little bits that are, are more personalized. But in general, you know, I'm going to read it to you now. He said, um, Dear Tim, he said, Recently I read on Cora your text, Why quit the greatest job in the world, the curse of the Bovril snail? For you, for those of you who don't know what Bovril is, it's like Marmite. It's just, I think it's, a, I don't know, it's like Marmite. It's used for cooking more, I think, anyway. And it's a small jar. Uh, he says, as a flight pilot, I have to confess that in some way I was reading something that was necessary to me. The more I read, the more I was seeing myself. It really touched me in some way. The precise way you are capable of describing how conflicting is a fighter pilot life, how expensive become to live this life throughout the years, how high is the price to pay in personal life, and how nobody is fully honest to admit it, because as you said, we have the greatest job in the world. Later on, guys, he goes to apologize for his English. He's done a really, really good job here, by the way. All right. I'm going to try and translate what he says into better English, but he's done a really good job. Um, so he says here, um, yeah, so nobody's fully going to admit this because we have the greatest job in the world. They're not going to tell you about the the, um, the issues with the job. He says, I'm, I'm late 30s, recently married. He's done 20 years in the Brazilian Air Force. He flew uh, Subdecano Mirage 2000 F5 for about 15 years. He says he's flying a desk now um, and he's left flying uh, as normal career progression, basically when he becomes what would be a squadron leader role in our Air Force, which happens after about 15 years. He says you're transferred from the squadron to the HQs and that's what happens to me, it happens to everyone. Um, it's pretty universal. So this is what I mean by all pilots going through the same thing. He goes, even though I did not decide to quit myself, the last year was pretty stressful. So just like you, uh, and became clear as long as I was reading your text, I was trapped in my passion. Trapped in his passion. Wow, have a think about that. That's a really powerful thing. Because you can't be passionate about something if it's trapping you. I mean, you're going to end up hating it. I mean, hating that thing. This is why I wrote an essay, didn't I? Um, I was about passion. I can't remember what it was now. Uh, but I, I tell people not to follow their passion. It's the worst thing. I think there was some uh, Army Apache students going through, and they said they stuck that on one side of one of the helicopters. Um, like I said, um, don't follow your passion. It's, it's going to end in tears. They use that as a quote on their course. But it's true, right? It's true. We all know that. Follow your purpose. Find a purpose in life, and you're always going to wake up energized. Passions, they're fleeting. They're like affairs. They, they burn real. They're like flares. They burn fast and brightly, and everyone's excited about passion. And it's, it's wank. It's bollocks, guys. Don't, passions, they change, okay? Just like mistresses change, um, apparently. So I've heard. You know, don't forget about the passions. Find your life purpose. Okay? There's a purpose that you have, and find out what it is, and, and walk that path every day. All right, try and do that. So this guy's saying he was trapped in his passion, so trapped by his passion, which was aviation. He says, so even though the the text he read was from 2017, he'd like to thank me because it 
truly confused uh, because I was truly confused about my feelings and the contradiction of I have to love this life because everybody does because it was always my dream and because I love to fly because it's the greatest job in the world. He says, now I'm more calm about this conflict, having an ordinary, boring office life, missing a lot of the flying, but missing nothing about the chaotic life I had in the last decade and a half. Your reflections helped me reflect about it too and gave me the tools to understand that the life I was living was driving me to an unclear and healthy path. That's a fact, yeah. I'll talk about that in a minute. So just like you, I don't regret a thing, but I couldn't do that anymore. Thank you for helping me to realize that you probably helped other people too. He says, yeah, I just apologize about my English flaws and mistakes in his emails. Um, Portuguese is his mother language. And becoming a fully English speaker is one of his next goals. So um, he says, once again, thank you for your honest writings and for sharing your impressions and reflections. Now, I like those kind of emails coming back. Um, and I, I get a few of them. And that's why I keep writing. And that's why I do these things. This is one of the reasons I've just reopened 12 months of the Awesome Warrior. That took a lot of my time back in, what, 2018. Um, and I shut it down at the end of the year. I'll reopen it now because I'm going to be putting a lot of, um, well, a lot of Aerialist courseware and a lot of what we're doing with Aerialist is going to go into the Patreon group that I run as well. And I support people in that. And we do a lot of lectures and we deep dive into there. And then the Patreon, the 12 Moors is more about, it's easier for me to just throw things in there and people to throw things in there. And it's about 600 people in there as a support group. Okay. So I put that back on there as well. Um, that's what we're doing with the 12 Months with Awesome Warrior Facebook group. Uh, but also, as you know, I'm building a course at the moment, a spin recovery course for people that need accountability in their lives with other people. You'll come in, it'll be a group of five, and uh, we're going to talk about that a bit more at the end of this podcast. So I wrote back to this guy, and, um, you know, you get the message. He's saying, look, you kind of gave me a nudge, you know, and uh, I want to thank you for that. Hey, okay, I'm cool. You know, I'm sure people gave me a nudge in the past as well. I said, um, I was talking to a friend of mine about your email. I said she was a fighter pilot as well. She's going through a very similar thing. And I was saying to her that she has to understand that the flying was something that she once did, that we all did. And there's nothing wrong with letting that go. There's a huge world out there to discover, many opportunities and people, and we can't see it from a cockpit. The career of a military pilot is too narrowly focused because the job is hard and it demands our full attention. So I look back to my 20 years and I have no regrets in what I did and no regrets in leaving. Sometimes I think that I'd like to take the tornado through the Scottish Valleys again, but I know what comes with that. All the currencies, briefings, medicals, drills, etc. And I'm happy not to do that anymore. I haven't flown since I left last year. I might. But an American pilot, this was an F-16 guy actually, he uh, once gave me some advice a while back. He said, wait for it to come back to you. So wait for the flying to come back for you. Don't chase it. Wait for it to come back to you. So I like that. I will wait for the flying to come back to me. And if it does, then I will get my airplane license and go and fly small airplanes. If it doesn't, then I won't. And I'll just enjoy the life I have. Um, there's some other people I talk to online who've left flying and you tend to find they're kind of split into two groups. There's those guys like me that are going out there trying to change the world in some kind of other positive way. And there are other guys that talk about flying the whole time and want to go back and live those glory days. And I'm not that guy. I said, my advice is to remember what you have done, but also that if you try and hold on to it too closely, you won't be able to go forward and change the world for the better. Yeah, that was my reply. He writes back then. And this is, I think, where it ends. I think there's one small email from me after this. He says, Tim, thank you for spending some of your time writing back to me. As I said before, your precise and honest reflections about fight part life cause an immediate identification on me. The similarity of the professional and personal moment that I'm experienced was impressive. In the same line of reflections, I remember an interview with Fernando Alonso when he retired from Formula One. He said something like, 
I'm going to miss the speed, the cars, because all other categories are below F1. However, to be successful in F1, you have to dedicate your life to it. And that's enough to me. Well, it makes a lot of sense. Same thing with flying jets, guys. It's fully encompassing. I'm not too sure about the quality of my marriage over the last two decades, to be honest with you. I don't know whether I was always that present to my wife. I think she's made that pretty clear over many, many years. So um, we're trying to rebuild all that stuff now. He says, just like you on the tornado through the Scottish Valleys, often comes to my mind the high-performance flight, the cloud surfing, the clean maneuverability, the aggressive pitch-up and G-force, the rolls, and all the freedom that a fighter jet can provide. All other categories are below. But also comes to my mind the Saturday 6 a.m. mass briefings to the Cameos, that's composite air operations, that's multi-package um, flying, lots of different airplanes. And I definitely don't miss that, and I don't miss that either. He says, I told my wife about your advice, wait for the flying to come back, and if it doesn't, enjoy the life. And she smiled and agreed. She said, he is right. It's a win-win situation. Enjoy it. A pilot on the other side of the globe gave you a better advice than all of your fellow pilots. She's enjoying the great amount of time we now have to spend together. So once again, thank you for your advice. They're truly helping me to accept the new life and face it in another good perspective. By the way, your writings are excellent. You do a great job in transmitting, what is it, impressions on your writing, high quality stuff, ah, whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But I'm grateful for him saying that anyway. Um... Yeah, so I just wrote back something interesting. I was chatting to the boss of Four Squadron the other day, and um, he's a friend of mine. And one of the guys just left the squadron, and and the boss said to this guy, he said, "Look, you know, there's some flexible things now about flying part time, and if you want to come back or whatever, and you want to do some of this stuff." And the guy was like, "Nope, I'm done." I em em emphasize with that. I I get that, and it's a good thing because you it means you've taken it as far as you're willing for it to go. There's nothing wrong. Don't be embarrassed by that. You've gone as far as you want this project to go all right you, you've really and i that's how i was i was like i am done the last thing i want to do is leave and then a year later go oh i wish i hadn't done that now i've got to try and get back in i've got to get all my currencies back up i've got to go through a training course I've got to get my fitness back because your fitness does go down a little bit when you leave um just because your lifestyle is a bit more stagnant i think is what it is i'm working on that right now um so you want to max that out but you want to max it out to the point it's not you're not suffering mentally from it because that will happen because as can do people, you know, you're going to burn yourself out. I put a post on 12 Moors last night, 12 Months Awesome Warrior. And it was about that. It was about um, doing less. Uh, and my wife actually read that this morning. She said, you've got that quote wrong. And I was like, oh my God, have I? I'm going to find the quote for you now, guys. Um, she said, yeah, it's not It's not that quote. It's a, different, it's a different one. I said, no, 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 no. The whole point of the quote is it says, the whole point of the quote is says, do less. You know, if you're if you're maxed out and you're going through anxiety, do do less than you were doing before. And I'll get that quote for you now. But anyway, I wrote back to him and said, um, your Alonso quote reminded me of something Nico Rosberg said when he won the F1 World Championship in 2016. He said, for 25 years in racing, it has been my dream. My one thing to become Formula One World Champion, he added. Through the hard work, the pain, the sacrifices, this has been my target. And now I've made it. I've climbed my mountain. I'm on my peak. So this feels right. And when I was asked if any uh, there was any chance of a return, Rosberg added, no, definitely not. End of story, done. And Hamilton, obviously throwing the boot in, because uh, his teammate at the time, I remember him saying this, actually, it was quite interesting. He said, the sport will miss him, and I wish him all the best. This is the first time he's won in 18 years, hence why it's not surprised that he's decided to stop. But he's also got a family to focus on and probably wants to have more children. Formula One takes up so much of your time. Yeah, it does. And what I said on um, the Facebook group last night, I said, um, well, I said a couple of things, actually. And I posted a quote, and I still can't find it on here. So, ah, here we go. Yeah, here we go. Picture of a giraffe. It says, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. 
Now, a lot of people, like my wife, spun up at that. She was, no, 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 it's worth doing properly. I'm like, no, 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 it's not. I, I get what you're saying. But the people I'm talking to, these people are high achievers. These people are max performers. And what I'm saying, look, you know, the whole 90% thing is where we're at with, with, with this kind of thing. And everyone comes, well, especially comes out in the military, you do everything. I said, um, thought for the day. I said, have a think about everything you were currently doing. Are you doing too much? I said, chill out, get the work done, but reduce the quality a little to give you space to think. I said, manage your energy better, else you'll hit burnout. And that's because we are in something called Energy Management July, Energy Man July. It's July's theme for 12 months with Awesome Warrior. So I said, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. It's like when I was in Afghanistan, there was um, a, a female general in the United States Army. She said to me, she said, you just got to do everything at 90%. Get the work out the door. You can't put your polish on it. We like to think you can. We like that's, That gets into artistry now. And most of us aren't artists. We're just going through life trying to make a bit of a difference. So I said, um, I think you'll do some great work outside of the military. Give some time back to your wife. They deal with a lot because of what we have done. And we can sometimes be very selfish doing the job. I said, I don't miss the weekend cameos either. I did red flag and some other exercises. I don't look back and ever want to do them again. <laughs> some of the flying, yes, but not the briefs or the planning, especially not the debriefs, especially not the air-to-air -air debriefs. Jeez, those guys dragged that shit out. I said, I wish you all the best. Thank you for your kind words. Right. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that email. Um, and I have a, other exchanges as well. There's a guy in South Africa wrote to me recently, and a guy in North America as well. I get a lot of North Americans um, write to me. They're good people. Um, good people, actually. They've got some very good people in their military. Whatever you think about their war machine, there's some quality individuals, and, and they really look after their education as well over there. But what I was trying to say to this guy then, and I think the message is clear, is get if you are in something and you're feeling trapped by your passion, well, you know, what is your, why are you there in the first place? You want to be a bit more realistic about what passions are. And we chat about that. Don't let it define what you're doing. Don't let it define who you are, okay? You've got to understand you've got this one life. I know guys that have come out in the military pretty unhealthy. And I wasn't the healthiest when I came out, you know, either physically or mentally, really. You know, I, I think in the military, I was working at probably 120%. Most guys are. And I came out and I found that I was only working about 70. And um, I'm going to talk to you a little bit now about discipline, I'm probably going to write an essay on this as well and about what happens when you come out and, and what happens with discipline. Because, of course, when you're in the military, you are disciplined. And you say, well, you're a military guy, you're disciplined, right? It's like, no, 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 you don't understand the terminologies. You are disciplined, i.e. the military is disciplining you. You probably actually lack, and people will disagree with this, and that's fine, do that. I've done some thinking and some reading about it. Um, I'm building it into the aerialist syllabus. You, you actually probably lack a lot of discipline. Um, but it, you, you are being forced to be disciplined because you're in the military. What that means is you go to bed at a reasonable time, you get up in the morning and you're on the squadron for 6.30 because you have to be, right? If you're not there, the flight commander, me or the boss is going to stop you flying. Uh, you're going to ruin the flying program for other people. The rest of the guys on the squadron and the girls are going to turn around and go, what the hell, dude? You can't even get out of bed on time. Um, and you're going you're gonna to look like an idiot and feel like, you know, feel rubbish. So you get to the squadron about half six and you know exactly the time you've got to get up in the morning and how long it takes to clean your teeth and everything else. And people look at that and go, I'm a disciplined person. My argument is you're disciplined for a reason. Now, you can see exactly how disciplined you are when you leave the service. And you come outside, you've got to see whether those things still happen. Now, I put things in, in place for myself when I came out, but not very early on I didn't. Um, I did a contract job, which meant I had to be somewhere on time. But even then, sometimes I was rolling in late or leaving the office late, but then not eating properly in the evenings or hitting the gym and doing the stuff because there was no reason to. Uh, genuinely, it sounds awful. It just, there wasn't, um, 
I just felt that there there was no reason to do that. And I think this is the point I'm trying to say. If you stay in something too long and it starts to damage you because you end up burning really hot, then you come out and your efficacy, you're you're less effective outside. And and you've really got to solve that. You really got to sort that out. And that's um that's what I've been doing for the last year. I've been writing on that. So my argument is there's a difference between saying that you're disciplined and that and understanding what that really means. By saying I'm a disciplined person, it's like, well, are you being disciplined? Or if that element that was disciplining you was removed, would you still be as disciplined? Now, there are some people that really are. And in fact, if you look at what Jordan Peterson says about coming with rule what it is, like rule one is stand tall with your shoulders back and about self-respect, but there's a rule in there about making making your bed, I think it is, or tidying your room. Is that the one? And I understand why he says that. Uh, I really do. Because the first thing you do is you get up in the morning and you square away all your stuff. I, I do the night before, in fact. If I go to go for a run, I lay out all my running shoes, my training shoes, whatever, that kind of stuff. So I get up in the morning. It's much easier now to just go, put that shit on, get outside the front door. That's it. That's how you do it. In fact, on the training courses I run, it's, it's about that. In fact, the first what we really do on the training courses is I don't even get the people on a run for the first couple of weeks. You know, we're literally, we're just going to, get outside the front door. We're going to go and touch the doorpost. We're going to touch the lamppost. We're going to walk down the street. Only for like five minutes, we're going to come home again. And we're going to do it incrementally over a long period of time. And it's through a process as well of, um, it's through a process of, of marginal gains, which is a Dale, Dave Brailsford, um, Team Sky thing, marginal gains. So we're not changing massively because you can't change people. People won't change. What you can change is the habits and the routines. And if you're going to change a habit, people, you've got to swap the habit out. So for a long time, six o'clock, I'd start reaching for a beer, go to the pub, that kind of stuff. And what I had to do was say, six o'clock, I'm going to have to do something else. What is that something else? Well, that something else is maybe going to the gym, hitting the swimming pool, going for a run. Uh, I'm, I'm a rower, so I go down the rowing club. I'm doing something else, and it has to be at six o'clock. I'm swapping out my habit for something else. You see what I mean? Uh, that's very important, actually. I do, I do a lot of talking about um, alcohol control, alcohol cessation, alcohol moderation, uh, in the I'm building that all into the spin recovery plan because a lot of the reasons that people are out of control in their lives is because they find themselves out of control. They reach for alcohol. It's, it numbs that brain down. Um, it increases your serotonin, dopamine levels. So obviously alcohol is a depression. We're just going a bit offline here, guys, but I'll come back. And so your brain says, I'm being depressed. I'm going to whack in some uh, anti-anxiety drugs such as serotonin, dopamine. You get this kind of buzz that you then suppress again with alcohol because now you've got this increased state of anxiety. Like, I'm anxious. I've just been massively stressed with all the dopamine and serotonin. You throw more alcohol on top and you get this huge seesaw until eventually you fall asleep because you've numbed yourself and your brain says, I'm going to shut you down because the amount of poison you're putting in your body, I can't tolerate and stay alive with this. I'm going to have to make you unconscious. And that's when you tend to go to bed. Now, what I'm saying is, right, we have to deal with all these aspects in the spin recovery, okay? We have to deal with this. So we're going to deal with it together, groups of five. That means you're going to buddy up and someone's going to buddy up with me and I'm going to lead guys through this. Um, so making sure they go through the whole process and it's something I'm explaining. It's something I'm writing their course narrative for at the moment. So if that's something that interests you, then send me an email, whatever. As I said, hopefully launching it in, in a few weeks now, just getting the finishing touches done. Right, so pretty much that's it then, guys. Don't stay with your passion and get trapped. And I hope you enjoyed that email. Keeping it to 25 minutes is pretty cool. I'm about to do um, an aerialist podcast today about the gamification of flying training. Uh, we're doing it kind of differently to other people because we've done a lot more research probably. Uh, so if you're interested in that, then look out for the aerialist podcast. I think it's called the aerialist experience. And you'll see how flying training is being done in a very alternative and innovative manner. So um, by all means, have a look at that. Have a comment on that as well. 
Guys, thanks so much for your time. I hope you appreciate it. I just want to get that email out really just to say, look, just because you're, you've done something for a very long time and you've reached a very high level at it and it was your passion or it might be your passion, leave it when the going is good, all right? Don't wait until you're burnt out in a hole somewhere and someone tells you to stop, okay? Go on your own terms. That's what I'm trying to say. I think a lot of people out there in flying jobs around the world kind of know what I'm talking about, especially the airline guys. You get a lot of airline guys stepping in their late 40s, do something else. Thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate it. Uh, anything I can help with, send me an email. Okay, Tim Davies, Fast Jet Performance.